Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC, featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Greg Olson joins us. He's got Panthers and Cowboys this week. So it's a home game. He gets to stay here in Charlotte, and I'm sure uh, he feels good about that. Greg, what's going on, man? How you been? Doing well, guys. What's happening? It's been been a long time. And let me just start out by saying, when I told my kids that on Carpool we were going to be – Jump calling into Mac and Bone. You would have thought this morning was Christmas morning. <laughs> they're like running in. They're dressed. They're ready to go. Dad, we got to get in the car. You got Mac and Bone, so I might have to come on your show more often and get them up out of bed. How about that? Well, well, did they? Did they, they? They realized though. Oh, it's old Mac and not little Mac, and that's when they got disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't specify exactly which Mac it was. So <laughs> I think there's some sour faces right now. Hey man, seat. you've had the same effect in my household. Little Mac has told everybody that Greg Olson is a fan of his, and no one has believed him yet. So didn't uh, you say he was? <laughs> you heard him upstairs a couple weeks ago or whatever. Last time Greg was on. He was playing a video game on the headset, right? Oh, yeah. And didn't he yell at another kid? He, are are you friends with Greg Olson? He, he, I, didn't, or something? he didn't say it to them, which yeah, would yeah. have been really annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he did say, Greg, to his friends that could hear him. He's like, uh, he was battling some, some guys he didn't know in video games. And they beat him. He says, take that. He goes, yo, what? Greg Olson doesn't know who you are either. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> it's going to his head. It is going to his head. Uh, what do you, we, we, you know, we're having the conversation man about Bryce and then the way CJ plays you got to tip tip your hat to him he seems like a great kid but it just feels like more pain inflicted on Panther fans because we didn't take Stroud look at how he's playing what do you think about like is it as cut and dry as the Panthers picked the wrong guy or is it not that simple you know I think like anything I, I think these decisions there's so many there's always so many different factors that go into who has success quicker, and then really the most important factor is not necessarily just who has success quicker coming out of the gate. It's really who's able to have sustained success, right? When you take a guy as high as Bryce and C.J. Stratton, when you take guys that high at the quarterback position in the draft, you know, yeah, you're hoping to have a great rookie year. That's, that's Obviously, that would be great. But you're really saying, all right, this guy needs to be my quarterback for the next 10-plus years and bring us to the playoffs and – be everything that we envision when we took them. So I think that's the bigger question. And like anything, there's a lot of factors that go in. But the reality right now is anytime two quarterbacks at to the top of the draft are, are connected to one another, like their careers will be forever. When one guy comes out hot and one guy comes out, you know, struggling right now on, on, on a team that's got one win, the, the comparisons are inevitable. And, and Bryce is going to have to be compared to, D.J. Stroud the rest of his career, and the Panthers' decision will be compared to the Texans' decision for the rest of their careers. And I think there's a lot of factors. I think there's scheme. I think there's personnel. I think there's offensive line, what they're being asked to do. I I don't think it's necessarily an indictment that D.J. Stroud's career will just forever be at a different you know kind of trajectory than Bryce. But listen, this is this is a big boy game, and and right now you're based on on your results. You're based on your performance, and right now. Not only is C.J. Stroud the, the rookie of the year, he's 
as crazy as it sounds, if they have, if they're still in the running to win their division, the Texans at the end of the year, and he continues to play like this, I, I don't think all this MVP talk is mm. completely crazy. Yeah. Greg, you have a perspective on this next question that Mac and I and, and, and most people listening simply don't have about play calling. So Frank Reich started the year as the play caller. He moves over to Thomas Brown. It's not exactly going any better. And now Frank Reich and his presser yesterday still doesn't really know if he's going to call the plays again or is it Thomas Brown? How how problematic is that from an offensive standpoint to have this many potential play calling changes in that period of a to- short period of time when you have a rookie quarterback also? Well, there you go. That's one of the factors, right? There, there's a there's a key factor in the development of your young rookie quarterback is consistency at the play caller, consistency in the terminology, and even if the terminology doesn't change from you know from play caller to play caller, tendencies change, demeanors change, the way the you know pattern of play calling like every every play caller even if they're calling the exact same offense has a very different manner in which they go about it a very different manner in which they do the installs all week a very different manner in how they talk to the quarterback so again consistency and what and what a rookie quarterback can come to experience is one of those factors we just talked about that plays into how quickly and and how you know consistently that that player is able to develop and and perform. So I, I don't love it. I don't, I don't think it's great. I think you have to go back. And, and the, the main question is, again, none of us are really privy to the nuts and bolts of the process of hiring Frank. But if Frank was brought in because of his ability to develop a quarterback and his ability to, you know, be a play caller and, and run an offensive scheme along with a lot of other different offensive minds that, you know, were highly celebrated coming into this season, and rightfully so. If that's if that was the foundation for which he was the decision to hire him was on, then he needs to be your play caller, right? So it, it all goes back to what was the root, what was the fundamentals of why certain decisions were made, and if certain decisions were made on certain, it's a certain degree for certain reasons, then you got to stick to them. Like then you have to ride the wave through the good and the bad to just flop back and forth between play callers just puts a lot of stress on a rookie quarterback who's frankly trying to find his way uh, a little half you know a little little further than halfway through the season we're talking with greg olson a panthers legend uh a man that is such a panthers legend that yesterday we spent time on air begging him to play a half of football <laughs> while broadcasting on sunday to help a team out greg did you hear uh our, our request and do you think fox would be willing to do that mic you up for like the first half and you spend the first half broadcasting while in the game at tight end for the panthers that would be, I'll tell you what, that would be pretty uh, groundbreaking, wouldn't it? I'd be out, I'd be out there. I'll, I'll tell you, I'd have to be very selective on my play calls. Um, I'd have to talk to, to Frank. I, I'd have to be, I'm a third down guy. I think I can still get open in the red zone. I don't know if a lot of the downfield plays are going to work. My uh, my workout routine uh, consisting of, of men's tennis league and, and golf. Um, I'm not exactly sure if I have the wheels and, and the ability to get vertical anymore, but I'll tell you what, I'd have to talk about insight. I'd be able to give the play by, you know, give the, you know, and that analyze the play right from the middle of the huddle in real time. I don't, I don't know if everyone could hear me though. I'd be, uh, huffing and puffing. <laughs> <laughs> they would hear you telling the ref what the call should have been. Like, you know what I mean? That's what. 
that was one of my specialties. <laughs> it was. Um, I want to ask you. You can leave little baby KK in the booth by himself, though. <laughs> yeah. I want. I want to ask you uh, another question, but about Bryce, but specifically about. And I don't know. I know you're going to watch probably a ton of tape here in the next few days, preparing to call your first Panther game of the year. But how much have you watched Bryce? And like we were having this conversation earlier, like Bone is like wondering, is he not seeing the field? I'm. I'm feeling like maybe he's not handling the pressure as as well as he did at Alabama, but it feels like guys aren't, you know, the pressure comes and guys aren't open when the pressure's coming. What, like, what do you see in terms of what's going on with this passing game and, and Bryce's role in it? Yeah, I think, you know, I think there's a lot of elements to it, uh, you know, that, that are challenging. I thought yesterday was pretty interesting in, in Frank Reich's press conference. You know, he, he was asked obviously a multitude of things about, you know, where the offense can go. And you guys mentioned, you know, it kind of came up that he was kind of hesitant to confirm exactly who was going to be the play call and all that. And, yeah. and I thought one of the most interesting components that came out of that presser was the conversation about being under center versus operating pretty much exclusively from the gun. And I think for young quarterbacks, and especially quarterbacks that you want to take some pressure off with pass protection issues, and you want to be able to be aggressive on first and second down, which is an easier down to pass. I mean, all these things that we talk about every week on the broadcast, a lot of those protections that you can sure up in the pass plays come from under center play action. They come from, you know, hard play pass. They come from half boots. They come from boot passes and nakeds. And a lot of things that are easy completions, slow the rush down, able to generate layers into the defense and create and pop guys on over routes and crossers and big posts. I mean, things that routes that Bryce throws really well, it's just a matter of they don't have that element because obviously Frank came out and said that he's not real comfortable operating from under center. So I think as his career goes on, if that's something that they can continue to work on with him, I think that would be just an easy element of the passing game that they could sprinkle in and take a, there is a lot of pressure on a quarterback guys to just stand in the shotgun, be a stationary target at the X, where the, every defensive lineman knows they're just running to that spot. That is a hard way to operate, and especially for a young quarterback who's still kind of getting his bearings. He's getting familiar with the scheme. He's getting familiar with the speed of the NFL and everything that goes along with it. And it also puts a ton of pressure on your receivers. They've got to go out, and they've just got to win, right? So I, that would be an element that I'd like to see them grow more into. I understand that if Bryce isn't overly comfortable with it. You can't just force feed it. But I think as time goes on and they continue to work with them, I'd love to see them make a big emphasis, you know, whether it's in the offseason or whatnot, to get him comfortable that he can take even a small percentage of the plays from under center, tie it in with some of the run game stuff. I think that will alleviate some of the protection issues and some of the pass game struggles um, that they've had. Greg, you're in the midst of a run of four straight Cowboy games, counting this Sunday and then Thanksgiving Day. When Dallas is at their best and they have their A game, how high is the ceiling of this version of the Cowboys? Yeah, I think it's pretty high. I mean, we we, we saw them against the Rams a couple weeks ago, coming out of the bye, and you know they they jumped them quick. They had a they had a block punt safety, then they had a pick six, then they had a return. I mean, in the game, next thing you know, in the first in the second quarter was a was a runaway. We saw a battle against Philadelphia a couple weeks ago, came right down to the end that they lost. And then last week, they blew the doors off the Giants, who obviously were a little undermanned, starting a third-string undrafted rookie quarterback in an offense that had kind of struggled to find their way, and, and they jumped them. They're a different animal at home, so 
But I think the fact that they're playing on the road, you know, changes things a little bit. But listen, I think Dallas, they're a top tier team. They're, they're one of the premier teams in the league. They're balanced. They got a great defense. They got an offense that's clicking on all cylinders. They, uh, when they're, if they continue to play the way they have these last couple weeks, I think Dallas finds themselves in the running, to, obviously, to win their division and host the playoff game. But at the very least, they're a, they're a playoff team that I'm not sure if they're a, if they're a wild card team. I'm not sure if you're thrilled to win your division and your reward is you got to host the Cowboys wild card weekend. Greg, uh, multiple people have suggested that I ask you this question, so I'm going to allow them to do my work for me, and I'm just going to ask their yeah, question. This, yeah. <laughs> this is shameless, but I think it's a great question. This is why we don't win awards, Greg. <laughs> so People want to know what you think of Sam Howe. I mean, this is a dude that is at the top of the league, local kid, obviously. He grew up out near you know where I'm at in, in Indian Trail area, being a Panther fan, watching you and Cam do your thing, and now look at him. He's leading the league in, in uh, passing yards at 17 touchdowns how much have you seen of sam howe what do you think about what he's doing there in washington yeah it's actually funny we actually called his debut game last year uh they they played the cowboys in week 18 he's ron started them it was kind of it was kind of the whole world kind of first crack and i remember talking about you know talking with ron that week and and at the time scotty turner who was the coordinator and everybody and they were really high on him, and I think we were all like, "Well, yeah, of course, what are they going to say?" I mean, yeah. they're starting him at quarterback. What are they? You know, they're going to tell us that they think he's great. And I, and they beat the Cowboys. They they came out and they won and they played well and he played well. And I think we all kind of looked back and said, "Like, wow, like this kid, he's not bad." And then I think it's carried over to this year. I think he's done a nice job adjusting to the new um, to the new scheme. And I think the only thing holding Sam back from maybe even being more of a conversation around the league is that they just continue to find ways to lose close games. I mean, they've lost more games. They've lost an overtime game. They've lost twice to Philly, one in overtime. One came down to the end where they had him beat and ended up giving the lead. They they've obviously lost close last week. I, I think he's a couple of those close wins and having a big moment or two from, from kind of being one of those stories that everyone around the league is talking about, you know, the, the surprise young quarterback, the CJ Strouds, of the world where people are saying, Oh my God, this kid's, this kid's come out of the gate pretty, you know, pretty much in his rookie year, first year as a full-time starter and has definitely done his part of the job. So I, I think Sam's done a great job. I think Washington is going to continue rightfully so to operate like he is their quarterback of the future, which obviously makes things a lot easier in the draft and free agency when you can just focus all of your time surrounding your quarterback, as opposed to finding your quarterback, which frankly, Ron's team's, have been doing since Cam got hurt. And, and I think that's been a big thing that Ron's dealt with. And, and hopefully this brings the stability to him in Washington that uh, allows them to continue to build that roster around Sam Howell. But, yeah, I think for a local kid, it's obviously fun for a lot of us. I remember hearing about him in school growing up, and uh, I, I think he's had a really good first year. Greg, we'll leave you with the humorous note. Are you aware that J.J. Jansen, when he called in a couple weeks ago, told us in the Miami game at the line of scrimmage, that Christian Wilkins asked him if he was an if he was an AARP member. <laughs> I did not. I did not know that, but that's that's incredible. That's uh, that's just the, that's the content that you only can get on the Mac and Bone Show, and I think that's why we're all such big fans and followers. And I'll tell you, you know, remember a couple of weeks? Remember last week they had uh, they had Kelsey in the booth for the Thursday night yeah. game, and I know everybody wasn't thrilled about it. <laughs> 
I, I don't think it's out of the question based on how the game goes if we could get a Mac and Bone sighting in the booth maybe in the second half. Oh, now we're talking. <laughs> how about now that? we're talking. Greg, I'm right over there in the popcorn line pretty much all game. By Just the way, over there Mac, get, filling up my popcorn cup, it, man. Wasn't JJ's response to Christian Wilkins something like, yeah, I'm close to it? No, something. he liked it. He said yeah, he, laughed. Laughed. Yeah, he laughed at it. He said, yeah, he didn't fight this thing. Yeah. All right, Greg, if you need me, look in the popcorn line. I'm ready to do booth duty while you go on the field and play tight end for the Panthers. We can work something like that out. Thank you for coming on, brother. Tell all the Olsen kids, get their butts up early for school, and uh, and, and we love them too. Thanks, man. We appreciate it. All right. Sounds good, guys. Thanks so much. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. Earlier this week on the Wesson Walker Show... We'll also welcome Mark Williams right now to the Body Works Plus guest hotline to talk a little bit more about it. Wes is trying to make you an official member of the show because yes. you hopped on a I couple mean, times. I mean, he's been on enough now. He is probably our official NBA player representative on the Wesson Walker Is show. that a responsibility you're okay handling? Yeah, I mean, as long as y'all want me here, I'm, that's right. I'm good with it. All right. Hey, don't, don't we tell We got us a that, rim Mark. protector? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's, he's protecting this house, too. That's right. Protect the Wesson Walker house. I think that's his slogan. Roll, roll with it. It doesn't matter to us. That's the voice of Mark Williams, the second-year center out of Duke. Fresh off a 2020 game, too, a couple of nights ago. I know you had the tough loss against the Knicks last night. I want to focus on the good. If you're going to be a partner with the show, we're going to focus on the good as well here, Mark. What was it like recording a a 2020 performance and 15 offensive boards, man? How are you feeling afterwards? Yeah, it felt good. Um, You know, it's one of those things you look up and you're like, oh, wow, you know. you know, towards the end of the game, you're obviously you're like, all right, well, I'm close to 20. I, was gonna, 20. I had to ask, how how hungry were you? Get out of here, Gordon. This is my rebound. Get yeah. out of here, PJ. Yeah. It's my rebound. I mean, during the course of the game, you're not really thinking about it. You're just trying to, you know, make you know, make the right play. But once you're definitely like 18, 19, you're like, all right, y'all got to look out for me. So. And then you hear shooters talk about being in the zone and the basket looks as big as the ocean. Man, when you get 15 offensive rebounds, does it just feel like divine that like, every ball just seems to be coming your way yeah uh i mean sometimes i'm not gonna lie you know obviously there's times you know you got to go get it um you know you got to be physical all those things but i mean nice like that you're gonna get a couple that go your way for sure so how have you been feeling about your season i asked coach clifford about your offensive output you've had a few 20 point games this mm-hmm. season i said a lot of people didn't expect that from you coming out of duke mm-hmm. but he said that the game on the offensive end comes easy to you man mm-hmm. so how great has it been for you in the offensive output puts that you've been having so far yeah it's been great um you know obviously my teammates have been finding me uh for a lot of easy buckets um you know i was made aware of that little streak i had um so you know like i said you know they're finding me um i'm converting them um and like i said you know they're making my life easier so 
Yeah, what was that like, too? I'm sorry, we're going to ask you about a couple of accomplishments here. What were you shooting, like 87% on 40 field goal attempts or something yeah. like that? Yeah, I didn't know the numbers. They were just like it was it was something, something really good. So, you know, like I said, you know, shout out my teammates for that. Um, you know, I just try to, you know, just convert those, uh, convert those passes, lobs, drop-offs, uh, you know, whatever it is. Uh, what I was just going to ask, too, about, uh, like, pick-and-roll game with LaMelo, you guys hitting you on some slip passes. I know that's been happening a lot as well. Where are you more comfortable right now, maybe even compared to your rookie season? What's the difference between your comfort level offensively and how you're used on that end of the floor? Yeah, um, you know, I think just, you know, being on the floor with those guys a lot more, you know, they, uh, you know, they trust me to make the right play. Um, you know, finishing around the rim. You know, last couple of games I've been able to hit that corner pocket. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think just being out there with them, building that chemistry, and uh, continue to make the right play. Um, you know, like I said, they've been, you know, finding me uh, for me to convert the easy ones, and um, I've been able to make some plays myself. So. so, Mark, what do you feel like as far as the progress of the team? Is it about where you thought it would be, or are you guys ready to get Miles back and how he can help you and see where this thing can go and everybody back at full strength once you get Terry and the crew back? But what do you think about how the season's uh, been going as far as, far as the progress of the team? Yeah, um, I mean, it's a little bit of everything. Um, you know, we started off you know, with a big win, um, you know, and as of late, you know, we had Terry go down, uh, Brandon tweaked his ankle in the New York game, so, you know, the injury bug's never fun, but, um, you know, like I said, we've been competitive, um, you know, I think for us to just make, uh, to turn the corner defensively, I think will be huge for us, uh, you know, not giving up as many points in transition, um, but I don't think we're that far away. You know, I never played with Miles, uh, but, you know, he's been working hard in practice, you know, doing all those things. Uh, so when he gets back, uh, you know, I'm excited for him to be on the floor. So. And then, uh, you know, with your Duke Blue Devils, take it to the ACC really quick, man. How excited are you about this team this year? All the experience coming back, all those mm -hmm. freshmen. I know you had to be a little disappointed with the outcome against Arizona. Yeah. But how excited are you about the Blue Devils? Yeah, they're good. Uh, I think whenever they, you know, when they figure it out, I think I think they're a lot closer than the scoreboard reflected. Um, you know, when they turn that corner, they're going to be really good. I think they'll make, a, you know, a great run in March. Um, and like I said, I mean, they're talented top to bottom, and I'm excited to watch them. That's Charlotte Hornets starting center Mark Williams joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. I wanted to talk game with you a little bit more. You talked about making plays in the passing game. I thought, you know, okay, 20 rebounds, we're going to focus on that. I thought the turn and face hit the shooter in the corner. I thought you've had a couple of passes this year that have shown, you know, not that they're running offense through you with LaMelo and some of these other yeah, guys, yeah. but they can. Like, you know, they, they do feed you at high post, and you can make that play. Mm -hmm. Feels like you're seeing the court a lot better this year. Do you feel that way? Yeah, uh, I think the game slowed down for me a little bit. Uh, you know, obviously Mel got the ball in his hands a lot more than right. I do. You know, that's just what it is. Uh, but yeah, I mean, when he, you know, when he finds me, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, trying to always make the right play. And then, you know, 
Amel keeps it himself. He's always making the right play. You know, the last couple games, he's been scoring the ball at a really high clip. Um, you know, still finding everybody at the same time. You know, he's playing great right now. So, um, you know, he's playing like that. I think everybody feeds off it. When I'm playing how I'm how I'm playing, I think everybody feeds off it. So, um, I mean, I think we're definitely uh, heading in the right direction. Yeah, a few more questions before he gets you out of here. I talked with Terry two weeks ago, and it was after a defensive monster performance. I think it was after the season debut you played so well. And Terry's like, yeah, man, we let Mark know that we appreciate him as much as we can. Is that yeah. true? Is Terry telling the truth with yeah, all the players? Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Uh, you know, I got to I gotta do a lot of the dirty work. Um, you know, sometimes it's yeah. not going to be reflected in the stat sheet. So, um, yeah, for sure. Um, he definitely lets me know. I just wanted to make sure he wasn't capping Wes. Well, no <laughs> doubt about that. And I can relate to him doing the dirty work because I was an offensive lineman. And, Mark, you know, they never appreciate the work that the big man put in in any sport. You man, know what I'm saying? Sometimes. But I wanted to ask you, though, branching off of that, you know, you're a guy that's come in and more of the traditional center from yesteryear, but you're athletic and can do a lot of the things. How much pride do you take and do you feel like you're one of the guys that can help bring back the traditional center to a game that's become so perimeter-oriented? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think now, you know, the hype is always those guys that are, you know, shooting step backs and stuff like that. Um, but, no, nah, I mean, at the same time, you know, you always need some guy that's going to take pride on the defensive end. Um, you know, somebody at my size who's as athletic as I am, um, you know, finishing around the rim, uh, making all the right plays. Uh, I think it's important for every team to have somebody like that. And you're always going to be competitive and want to come out and be the best. But when you're playing against other bigs, man, do you have certain games that you circle on the schedule like, man, or certain games when you come into matches, you're like, man, I got Embiid tonight. Yeah. I got to deal with Gobert tonight. Yeah. It's going to be on. Yeah, I mean, last year I never played against Embiid. You know, it was either he was out, I was in the G, uh, just whatever it was. So, yeah, definitely to go up against him this year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, anybody, I mean, everybody every night, I think everybody in this league is good. Everybody in this league is skilled, so you can't take any game for granted. So, um, just every night just going out there and, you know, giving it your all. Here we are talking about your inside presence earlier on one of your many appearances on Wesson Walker. That's right. We set the over-under on threes this year at oh, 10. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what do you think about the 10 number, Mark? Can we still go over, or do you think that's actually that, – does that need to come down to, like, five for the rest of the season? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it'll just be one of those things, like, if it's there. Mm -hmm. Like, if it's there, I'll take it. I mean, I'm not going to force it. Like, it's not really – it's not a pressing issue for me, but I think if the opportunity presents itself and I'm in rhythm, it'll go up. Yeah, don't get pulled by Coach Clifford because Wes and Walker was yeah, 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 yeah. Don't do that. That is not something we advocate for. for sure. Final thing before we get you out of here. So much conversation. Just talked with Coach Clifford about it. It's when the opposition goes small mm -hmm. against Washington. You had the 2020 game. You make them pay on Friday. Wednesday, Gallinari was able to hit threes. Yeah. It's tough to be able to protect the rim. We got five out. Jordan yeah. Benny Smith out there shooting. Danilo out there shooting but coach told us look if you want to win in the postseason then we're going to play our five best players yeah. that means Mark's going to be out there yeah. and that, this is how you have to play how tough is that to try to figure out how to combat some of the five out lineups that the opposition has gone with and also focus on a long-term goal reaching the postseason and competing of course yeah Cliff definitely talked to us about that um, you know I think that Wednesday game in Washington they really took advantage of that um, but, you know, after talking about it, changing up, you know, how we went about it, um, 
I think it was really it was good for us because you know obviously on the offensive end we can dominate them yep. dominate them on the glass um, so you know defensively when you're able to neutralize that it just turns into an advantage for you and then you know at that point it's the other team reacting to us not us reacting to them so that is the official Charlotte Hornets voice of Wesson Walker yeah. Mark Williams joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline the starting center for the Charlotte Hornets talking about the Cornucopia event and what we can expect the rest of the season you can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to three sit tight and stay locked because instant replay continues next only on sports radio 92.7 WFNC the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. A lot of folks fired up. So we're a joke. The owner's wife's out at practice today. She's clearly involved in personnel decisions. I, I had one of our listeners, uh, Childers Wallet, tag me, and he's like, oh, but you said she's not involved in personnel decisions. Bro, she's at practice. She's, she's at practice. What does that indicate to you? I don't know. I'm telling you, if she's making personnel decisions as the chief administrative officer, then you and I are in agreement on that. That's, that's just, I mean, an unbelievable disaster. Catastrophe, even. But she's just watching practice. So if you're looking at me to freak out about this and, you know, attribute the Panthers woes to the fact that the owner's wife is apparently taking too much interest in the team, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I just can't do that. And look, I, I'm not here to, you know, champion all women in sports. I mean, I, I treat people individually, but yeah, there are way too many examples. Um, somebody says, who cares? We suck anyways. Exactly. Exactly that. Who cares? We suck anyways. That's the spirit. That's what I'm talking about. It's not Nicole Tepper. It's all of them. They stink out loud. They stink on ice. They suck out loud. I got to stop combining those two things. Um, but I, I will say this. Um, here's a, a very knowledgeable woman when it comes to, to pro football. Uh, very good reporter, I should say. Diana Rossini, whose report we referenced on Monday, yesterday's show, or whenever that was. From Saturday, I believe, is when she, she reported it, that uh, you know she's hearing some things inside the organization. Many of the same things that I myself have been hearing. But she also offered a follow-up to that report just yesterday on the Athletic Football Show where she made it pretty clear that she's hearing, as I am, that the big boss man over there is not thrilled with his head coach and is not giving his head coach a very long leash to get it fixed. In Carolina, the sense I'm getting there and from having multiple conversations is that there's frustration with the way this offense is performing, the development of Bryce Young, the overall effort and energy from the players and from the coaches, the way the sideline looks during the game. I had one person say or describe it to me as looking lifeless. Um, so these are all parts of this team that ownership has seen themselves. They're looking at it. They're discussing it. They're having conversations about whether or not they feel that Frank Wright is the right guy as a head coach to get the best out of Bryce Young. So I think in terms of a leash right now, I, I think it's a short one for the future of this coaching staff because the, what they thought this would look like, what they thought this would be with all these different assistants, with all these different uh, backgrounds and philosophies, 
what they were hoping for this to look like versus the reality that it's it just too far apart. And, and I think the only way this staff can keep their jobs by the end of this year will be if there's significant improvement. And, and we'll just have to see if they're going to be able to put this together. Here's my question. And I, I think we have to I think we benefit from asking it this way or, or the show does at least the conversation does. What are the reasons to object to firing Frank Reich at season's end if this doesn't improve? Ask a different way. Why wouldn't you fire Frank Reich at the end of year one if this overall futility continues? 704-570-9610. I'm very curious to hear what you say about that. Because I've said this a couple of times already this week. Um, we get new listeners all the time. People go in and out. So sometimes I'm repetitive. And for the P1s that never turn off FNZ, we love you. We appreciate you. But I know sometimes you hear multiple things. You know, you hear the same thing multiple times. Um, but the bottom line is I don't call for guys to get fired. Don't want to. I'm not going to start. However, every football alarm in my head is screaming uh, abort mission. This was a, a terrible mistake. Turn back. Retreat. This is awful. You got to make a change because this already looks like a failure, lifeless, like it's going nowhere. That, that's just what my intuition is, what my gut's already telling me. And some of you've been there, right? So I will obviously allow for, hey, if they start to turn things around and in the final eight games, they go four and four and the quarterback plays well or whatever scenario is acceptable to you, then fine. I could understand bringing Frank Reich back for year two because it's not common to fire a guy after a single year. But it's in, it's increasingly more common it's not nearly as uncommon as it used to be. And if this continues, why wouldn't you fire him at season's end? If they go anywhere from 1-16 and 16 to 3-14, and 14, right? And, and, and I know the injuries are a thing. But I think the injury excuse went out the window with every passing week that Ajiro Evero has fielded a competent, respectable defense playing with a bunch of truck drivers and plumbers out there. And truck drivers and plumbers, I love y'all. You know it. But you're not the most in-shape guys in the world. Giro Evero's out here, you know, playing solid, respectable defense with a bunch of, you know, electricians and well diggers. And you got most of your offensive staff on the other side, most of your personnel that's been healthy for the most part, outside of a couple of key offensive line injuries, which, hey, we'll grant you some grace for that. Less so after we've seen what Houston's been able to do with their own offensive line issues. Why wouldn't you fire him? Because the defensive coordinator's figuring stuff out every single week. Smoke, you got audio for me, right? On the on the the zero Evero front, correct? Correct. All right. Yes. So this is Mike Garofolo, NFL Network works with Steve Smith. They're often standing side by side. He's a little bald guy standing next to Steve Smith most Thursday nights. What? It's accurate. Um, this is Mike Garofolo earlier today on I guess maybe a dark horse or an under the radar head coaching candidate for this offseason that nobody's really talking about. Give me a Giro Evero off your list there, Tom, the uh, Panthers defensive coordinator. They gave up some points certainly earlier in the season. The team itself as a whole not doing great, obviously. I get all that. Uh, but if you're strictly looking at that as the criteria, you're going to miss some really good candidates. And I do know that there are folks around the league who are looking at a Giro Evero as a future head coach. And their defense really has been keeping them in games of late and giving them a chance to win the one game they did win. Uh, he did a, a good job. That defense did a good job as well. The other thing I will say about him, uh, their general manager in Carolina, Scott Fitterer, I was talking to him on the field before that game against the Bears last week. And they just had a ton of injuries. Shaq Thompson was out. Brian Burns was out. They were standing on the sideline. Uh, not even dressed for the game, obviously. And he said, you know what? The thing with Ajiro is he never complains. You know, he's got like all these injuries and this guy's not going to, no problem. Let me know what we have, what we're doing. 
That, that was Mike Garofolo, NFL Network, championing a Giro Evero as a head coach somewhere next season. Um, I, I'm not sure I'm letting him get out the door. Now, we have, Smoke, you got the sound already. I don't know if you, we have, folks, breaking news. And here we go. Frank Reich has officially taken back play calling duties for the Carolina Panthers. Offensive play calling duties. Uh, Frank Reich said that he wouldn't be able to live with himself if he didn't do everything he thought was in the team's best interest over the final eight games, saying, quote, I just think it's the right thing to do, end quote. Um, says he's been given no ultimatum, but that he's taking back play calling from Thomas Brown. Says he couldn't live with himself if he didn't do everything that, within his power to get this right, which on the one hand, I respect, Right. On the other hand, just chaotic, man. Just chaotic. This, if you were to draw up or list the things that you shouldn't do with a rookie quarterback in his very first season on the job, oscillating back and forth between play callers in the first half of the season, half of the season, that would be pretty high on the list. Oscillating between play callers. Sorry, having your head coach call offensive plays in the first place, unless his name is Andy Reid or Sean Payton, not a great idea. But then you went that direction. You gave it up five weeks into the regular season, and now Frank has taken back the play calling responsibilities. Now, I could be very theatrical on the air. I'm quite good at that when I want to be. You know, this is an entertainment platform at the end of the day. But I, I'm not doing this for theatrical or entertainment purposes at all. What a bleep show. Now, Thomas Brown's play calling didn't exactly wow me, but it's also Frank Reich's offense. The plays are the plays. <laughs> That's not to say you can't implement some new plays during the week, but this is the offense. Like, this is Frank Reich's offense. So when he handed off play calling duties in the beginning, weeks ago, he was just handing over control of his own offense that he designed, the playbook that he put together, to Thomas Brown. Essentially what Thomas Brown was trying to do was trying to make something taste good after Frank Wright completely burned it in the oven, mm. essentially. And I can't blame him. Mm. And he's coming across as a scapegoat when he shouldn't even be a scapegoat. Ooh. And that shows you right there, more than anything, that shows you that Frank Wright is scared for his life that he's going to get fired. The fact that he didn't even give Thomas Brown a whole entire month. I, and again, I don't think the play calling was great the last couple of weeks. I, I pointed this out a couple of times, but like when they were backed up on their nine yard line and threw the ball three straight times and didn't run it once, it was at that point where I was like, oh, this might not have been an upgrade at all. This might not have changed anything at all. You know, the the, Dave, the, the, whole, the funny Dave Gettleman line that got repeated at nauseum, the answers on our roster. Unfortunately, I don't think uh, the coaches on our roster to call a the competent offense at this point right now. Bro. <laughs> I'm just asking for confidence. Uh, yeah. Competent, consistent, befitting an NFL franchise, li literally anything. 21st century. Akin to that. Yes, those things too. But, hey, let me. I'll throw this into the conversation. Greg Olson, Panthers legend, Fox Sports A-team analyst. Greg Olson joined Mac and Bone yesterday morning. And it is his opinion that if Frank Reich was hired to develop Bryce Young, then Frank Reich needs to be the play caller. If Frank was brought in because of his ability to develop a quarterback and his ability to you know, be a play caller and, and run an offensive scheme along with a lot of other different offensive minds that 
you know, were highly celebrated coming into this season, and rightfully so. If that's if that was the foundation for which he was the decision to hire him was on, then he needs to be your play caller. There you go. I and, and that's the thing. I agree with Greg. It's not that I'm upset that he gave up the play calls or anything along those lines. He was brought in here specifically as the head coach, the big whistle, the man in charge, not just to get the offense running, not just to win games, but they traded up and got the first pick to get a quarterback. He was handed a number one overall pick rookie quarterback to develop. So he starts calling plays. Well, that's not going well. Game management, clock management, those things suffer. It's becoming apparent to everybody. The offense stinks on ice. And so by week five, he's, he's giving it up. He's giving up play calling. And everybody's like, yeah, that's what you hired an offensive coordinator for. That's why you employ an offensive coordinator. Most teams anyway. Again, unless you're named Andy Reid or Sean Payton. You hire an offensive coordinator. You let them call the plays. They coordinate the offense. Well, it didn't go well. So now Frank's back to calling the plays. I, I think two things can be true. It is emblematic of chaos. It is uh, emblematic of a lack of direction and identity over there offensively. Uh, Frank Reich probably making his last stand trying to you know save his job. And also, and also, this is what should happen because you hired this guy, David Tepper hired this guy because of his offensive acumen, because of a perceived ability to elevate this offense, to groom the rookie quarterback, and to bring the Carolina Panthers on the offensive side of the ball into the 21st century. And they've done anything but to this point. It's been just a, it's been hideous. It's hideous. Uh, and C-Dog in Denver says he didn't even get to I think he's talking about Thomas Brown. Didn't even get to set up his own offense like KB saying. He was just a mouthpiece for an offense. If you're going to give a young man a chance to do it, let him set up his own. The problem with that is, though, like you, you can't change your offensive system in the middle of a season. Right? We got Coach Darty in studio. In basketball, it's a little bit easier you know, to play, to, to play differently stylistically. Not that easy, but it's a little bit easier. When you've constructed a football roster and you've installed an offense – Right? Teams learn the playbook. They've learned the verbiage. You can't just switch that up eight weeks into a season. That's very different. It's wild, man. You tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan.